Proverbs 27.1 Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Welcome to My Dead Brothers Podcast. This show is about that journey, seizing the day, the people, the moments, and the circumstances around us. Tyler Balkin talks about grit, grace, gratitude, and the gospel inside us for others. The four G's. Tyler is a man of faith, a family man with three kiddos, a Marine Corps veteran, and an amazing storyteller. It's time to seize the day. This is My Dead Brothers Podcast, and this is Tyler Balkin. All right, you guys, welcome to episode two of My Dead Brothers Podcast. This has been an episode that I'm extremely excited about. We have got uh, a man by the name of Jared Norton, and he uh, so happened to be a close friend of Cody's, and he's obviously got some great stories to share in that realm, but Jared's also got an awesome story of his own. You know, Jared is a veteran of the Iraq War. He deployed in 2012 for a year as a cavalry scout. Uh, I won't hold that against him as a, as a Marine, but, you know, we'll share some stories talking about that. Jared works in the uh, construction field as a civil engineer, and that has taken him across the country. He spent time in Kalispell, Montana, North Dakota, and uh, now he is back home in Boise, Idaho. So we'll kind of talk a little bit about that, and, you know, we will see where the uh, rest of the conversation takes us, guys. And uh, like I said on the previous episode, we will... Uh, always start with a question that uh, I'll ask us to ponder throughout our conversation here. And and Jared and I will take a stab at answering it at the end. And the uh, question today is, uh, how do you or how do we stay calm under chaos, right? It's pretty, uh, pretty difficult when, you know, everything's coming at us from every direction and we have to stay composed or, you know, we still have to get through it, right? So that's that's the question I want us to kind of sit on today. And uh, without further ado, uh, let me uh, kind of already laid it out, but let me introduce uh, Jared. I've got him on a Zoom call today uh, from uh, Boise, and I'm here in Phoenix. It's still 100 plus degrees out here in the fall. What's the weather like in Boise right now, Jared? Uh, a little warmer than usual. It's maybe 80 degrees, but it's sunny and pretty nice. Okay, uh, that's not too bad. Right, and I think that one of the things I miss most about Boise is just the, the seasons, right? Like, I'm sure that right now the leaves are changing colors and you're starting to get more brisk mornings. We don't, we're getting cooler mornings here in Phoenix, but <laughs> we don't really get that. I think the, the equivalent would be uh, in summer, the, uh, the leaves change colors, but it's usually because stuff's dying. So <laughs> it's not exactly the same. But, uh, yeah, so, so Jared and I have kind of been talking, uh, you know, leading up to this podcast. And, you know, I laid out the uh, format with them as far as, you know, what direction we're going to take the conversation through grit, gratitude, grace, uh, gratitude, and, and gospel. Just about butchered it there. Uh, so, yeah, let's just, let's just roll right into it, you know. And I think that, uh, Jared, one thing that I'd like to ask you, you know, when you think about grit, you know, what's one of those experiences that you've had that you feel have, has really shaped you, whether it was, uh, you know, turbulations or trials or, you know, difficulty or, or maybe it was something that you liked to do. You know, I think a person I think about with grit is like David Goggins. He, he brings it all on himself. He likes it. Uh, but yeah, what's that kind of mean to you? And what's an experience that, that you feel has uh, epitomized that? Uh, that's a tough one, man. I think grit, uh, you almost kind of have to have that every day. Um, you know, you're faced with challenges every day. Some days they're small and, and some days they're big. Um, you kind of got to keep charging forward and, and get through whatever, you know, comes up. Um, you never know what's going to happen. Right. Kind of, kind of deal with it as it comes. So as a, Calvary Scout in Iraq, you know, we, we briefly talked about that. You spent a year overseas, another country as a, as a young man. I'm guessing you, you were in your early 20s. Uh, what, what was that like? You know, kind of take me through that, you know, from the 18, 16-hour flight to 
a barren desert and being put to work for a year you know what was that like yeah man it was kind of uh kind of different um you know at that time Iraq was kind of winding down so I mean that that wasn't the hard part of it it was just the the being gone and the the change in mindset and in a sense almost kind of the letdown you know I, like we talked before I'm I'm glad now that uh wasn't too crazy but you know at the time I, I almost kind of wanted it to be and I was a little bummed out that uh you know what wasn't going to be what I envisioned but uh, actually wound up being more difficult than, than what I envisioned um, just because of that. Um, right. Like kind of mentally enduring, I would imagine. Right. Like it's just as far as. Yeah, totally. Totally a mental game. Um, just, you know, all that, all that training to just kind of be let down in the end was probably the biggest, uh, right. you know, hurdle for me to jump over in that. So go, go into that training a little bit, you know, so you were in the guard and a lot of folks yeah. may not know that, you know, as a National Guard service member, you actually, you know, more often than not have opportunities to be activated and in your case, be deployed for a year. What was that that workup like? You know, here you are one weekend a month, two weeks a year, then all of a sudden you're getting ready to, de- to deploy. Tell yeah, you know, that. actually, it, it kind of happened towards, uh, towards the end of my deal and, uh, you know, with my contract. Sorry, man, I got a dog out. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no worries. He's got to let his dog out. You're, you're fine, man. Hey, life, life happens. <laughs> but yeah, it was actually kind of towards the end of my, uh, my contract. And I almost, you know, it was always kind of a, oh, we might go, we might go kind of a deal. But after several years, it just kind of went to the back of my mind and then I uh, kind of heard through the grapevine that it actually might be coming for real. Um, I don't know if I really believed it or not, but I was actually up turkey hunting and uh, got the call. And when I, when I got service again is, is when I, you know, found out that uh, it was time to leave and come back and uh, start the, the train up deal. So uh, yeah, being in the guard, obviously very different. Um, I think there's a lot more of a train up. I'm not, I'm not sure on that, but I would imagine there is. And we kind of started here in, uh, in Idaho and they have a big uh, training area here, just, just South of Boise. So we spent a couple months out there doing stuff and then, uh, went to Mississippi and honestly can't remember how long we spent there. I want to say it was uh, two or three months. Um, and from there we just, uh, got on the plane and, uh, headed out. Um, I think I went up through Maine and then, you know, went to Europe and then went into Kuwait for a couple of weeks. And that was just, uh, you know, a whole bunch of logistical stuff, uh, getting everybody kind of organized and getting all the gear organized and whatever. I had a little bit to do there, but mostly just, uh, you know, went to the gym and ate food and just kind of <laughs> waited. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, and then uh, yeah, we flew flew into Baghdad and got dropped off and spent uh, twelve months there. So, right, yeah, it's it's not always like the commercials, right? You know, I think that no. that's uh, something that we that we learn early on, and you know, I think that that in itself, you know, builds a lot of character, just in the way that we are experiencing something that, uh, yeah we didn't really have a say in, I would say. And that, that, that always has a way of, uh, just instilling some, some unique, uh, qualities in you. Yeah. Uh, the, com- the commercials lied. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, man. You know, just in hearing you talk about that experience and getting to know you a little bit better, I can already, I can just tell, man, I don't know if you've been told this, but you've got a humble aura about you. I think that you really have a way of underestimating things that you've done and maybe things that you've accomplished and it's a great quality, you know, and, uh, with that, so here you are, uh, coming back from serving your country, spending time overseas may have not been like the commercial, but you know what, you're still part of that 1% that, that raised their hand and did it. And, uh, with that, what was the mindset coming back? (laughs) Uh, not good. Actually. I, uh, I came back just 
at the, the very end of my contract, I think I had like two months left and, you know, everybody's talking about, you know, re-enlisting or extending or whatever. And, uh, I just had, had no interest. Um, the whole thing kind of just left a bad taste in my mouth and I was pretty, uh, disgruntled, I guess you might say, actually we were, uh, demobbing in, uh, Fort Lewis and, you know, they wanted to bring everybody home on, on one plane and, uh, you know, have a big parade and whatever. And I had already enrolled in, in a college cause I, this kind of happened. Oh, in the last third or quarter of uh, my education. And I actually took a couple classes online while I was over there and then coming back, I knew I was going to be a little late, but I kind of signed up anyways and reached out to my uh, professors and kind of told them my situation. And, uh, you know, they were all uh, real helpful on it actually. Um, you know, I did, I did what work I could, you know, send it in via email. Um, but I was, I was ready to, to be done and get back. So, uh, not, not my finest moment, but actually a, a few days. I mean, and they just kept dragging out the date for, uh, you know, when we were going to actually go home. And I was, I was done with everything in, in Fort Lewis that had been cleared medically and whatever. And I had my, uh, you know, my discharge papers from active duty. And uh, I actually left in the middle of the night and got a taxi and went to the airport and bought my own plane ticket home. And uh, yeah, I got, I got in a little bit of trouble for that, but um, oh, wow. I, I was, I was pretty done at that point. And uh, yeah, if, if that tells you anything about my mindset at the end of that, that's, uh, that's right. where I was at. <laughs> let's, uh, let's chat about that for a second, because I think that, you know, so many people, when they think about the military, they, they immediately have this thought of, uh, man, how could you do that? You're getting yelled at by drill instructors or drill sergeants, and you're being told what to do every day. And yeah, there's parts of that that, that suck, you know, but then hearing your story, like <laughs> you're telling me, you know, because, you know, we have that shared understanding, like, yeah, man, I went and bought my own plane ticket and I just left. Like, you know, an everyday civilian, like they're going to think to themselves, like, yeah, of course, you know, you make your decisions and, but in the military, you don't, you don't have that freedom, <laughs> you know, it's kind of a, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things you appreciate when you get out. You're like, Oh, Hey, I don't have to get my hair cut this week or I'm going to let, yeah. you know, you got a nice beard going on. I think that's what every service member does that, you know, they get that beard six months out, you know, they try to hide my pictures uh, from about six months after I got back. Cause I grew my hair out. <laughs> much longer than I usually do. Right. I look kind of like a dork, but uh, it was, I could, so I did it. I always, I always envy uh, my, my fellow service members that grow their beards. I, I baby face. I don't know. I guess I get that. <laughs> you, and, you and Cody have the same facial hair? <laughs> yeah, man. We would always send each other uh, mustache pictures and they weren't pretty. <laughs> I promise you that. But uh, yeah, man. So, you know, you, you come back and what let's just kind of finish up on this like in, in talking about the grit side of it man what was your your biggest takeaway from that period of your life you know from high school to you know kind of experiencing some you know probably indecisiveness with what you wanted to do exactly and then going into the military and coming out the other side with you know a whole breadth of experience i'm sure what what would you say your biggest takeaway was from that part of your life uh, oh man it depends on uh you know what what part of it we're talking about i mean i you know i enlisted actually before um i actually got out of high school um so obviously in those years you, you change a lot as a person anyways but um that kind of you know took it took it to a different level and, and amplified it you know when uh when i first went in i was you know young and you know proud and had kind of a, maybe an attitude or whatever. And, and when I got out, I was, you know, almost the complete opposite. Um, you know, I, I had a very, very different attitude, a lot more compassion for people. And, you know, it, I almost did a 180 over, over that time frame. And I think it, uh, you know, it made a, made a better person out of me for sure. What do you, what do you feel drew out that compassion? Was it just the, you know, the bullshit? Like you kind of had perspective or, what what drew that out? Uh, you know, I think uh, going in, it almost kind of fit my attitude. Um, just kind of hard headed, and you know, I I didn't I didn't really mind uh, you know basic training or whatever in a sense, and kind of just that 
kind of asshole approach in how you treat people and you're going to do this whether you want to or not. And, you know, tough shit, get it done. Um, and I think over the, the course of my deployment, you know, I just talked about it being kind of mentally draining and very different than what anybody expected. Um, you know, I saw, you know, the people under me just kind of struggling as well. And just over the course of that year, I, I just learned to kind of put myself in their shoes and, you know, understanding that, you know, in the moment, you know, the military, this, this isn't their, this isn't their life. Um, right. you know, it's, I mean, it is, but at the same time, it's, it's just a small part of their life and they had family back home and some of them were married and they were having troubles with that and kids and, Right. The whole mess, and I just realized they were they were struggling in different ways, and just kind of being an asshole and yelling at people all the time. Um, really, actually, it, it might work in the short term, but it doesn't work in in the long term to treat people that way. Yeah, completely agree, man. And I think that in the military and in life, for that matter, we learn as much from the bad leaders as we do the good leaders, right? And I think a lot of the things that you were saying, you know, tie tie right into that. And uh, with, with that, you know, what would you say, and, you know, we can kind of move this forward or backward, where do you feel you've had a, you know, instance in your life where somebody uh, gave you that compassion, gave you that grace, you know, to maybe you were, you know, being a knucklehead, you know, I think, I think of occasions where a cop pulls us over and they give us a warning, right? That's kind of one of the exaggerated cases, but is there any to you that stand out in particular where you're like, damn, like that person didn't need to do that for me, but they did. Or maybe you've provided that for somebody. Yeah, maybe. Um, man, just off the top of my head, first thing that comes to mind is a kind of a teacher in, in high school, actually. I, I mean, I was kind of a shithead kid um, in middle school and, and coming into high school, I got in a lot of trouble and, you know, I always got good grades or whatever, but I was just kind of a, a pain in the ass in, in the classroom. That's why you and Cody were friends then, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, looking back, I, I treated a lot of teachers in, in ways that I regret now, even as an adult, you know, even acknowledging that I was young and immature then, but you know, I still to this day feel bad about some of them, but, uh, you know, I was just a kid always in the back of the class with, you know, long hair and, you know, a lot of people wouldn't believe it, but, uh, I used to be kind of a little, uh, punk rocker BMX kid. And, uh, I had the, the wallet chain and the, I used to have long, uh, pink hair. I, uh, <laughs> I really wanted, really wanted red hair, but apparently my hair just doesn't, uh, doesn't dye red. So every time it just came out hot pink and, uh, <laughs> Luckily, I was a big kid, or I probably got my ass kicked a lot. Man, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't visualize that. I mean, that's you yeah, got to, you got to send I, me a picture, I have man. Pictures, but I keep them, uh, I keep them hidden. <laughs> so, my, my mom didn't take very many pictures of me over the years. <laughs> oh man, that's that's pretty good. And yeah, teachers, that's a great example. You know, here they are, you know, doing one of the ultimate services a person can do. They're teaching the next generation, yeah. right? And Usually we were such assholes, you know, or just yep. had no actual appreciation for that man. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great example. Yeah, right. Well, while I was in, you know, that that period of my life, um, I guess to to complete that thought, it was it was this one teacher. I I think he was teaching English. Gosh, I can't even remember. But you know, when I when I started his class, I was just you know just the same uh, kind of prick little kid and sleeping in class all the time and whatever. And he just. Uh, I guess he, he approached me differently and kind of, you know, acknowledged my, my good qualities. And, uh, yeah, just, that was, a uh, yeah, it was refreshing. And I kind of changed my outlook in, in high school from that point going forward. And, uh, right. Yeah. I don't know. It's funny how, uh, experiencing life, you know, and kind of getting hit in the face by it, it has a way of, uh, showing us those, people that were, you know, trying to help us beforehand that, man, I, why didn't I just listen, you know? And, yeah. and I think that, <laughs> excuse me, uh, you're talking about your, you know, compassion and, you know, willingness to have more empathy and, you know, grace for others. 
what's a instance where, you know, maybe you had one of those uh, young young troops, or maybe in the current role that you are now, or you know, what's what's a time where you felt that you could have triggered else elsewhere, but you decided to give that person, you know, probably what they needed most right then, and that's just a hand on their shoulder, you know, to let them know that, hey, you know, it's it's going to be okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. let's get through this. Yeah, you know, I mean, now just being in, in a more, uh, I guess, professional setting or whatever, you know, I, I guess you don't, people don't really approach you too often with, with super personal stuff, but, you know, you kind of, as you get older, you kind of learn, you know, that uh, to, to recognize when, when people might be having a hard time, you may not know what that is. Um, but you know, if people, you know, aren't, aren't getting shit done or, you know, messing up or kind of got an attitude or whatever, um, you, you don't, you don't always got to jump on it right away. You know, you got to kind of take a step back and just acknowledge that they might be going through something else that, that you're unaware of. And, uh, right. you know, so kind of proceed with a, a different approach than, you know, one, one track mind of, of getting something done or doing it right. So. Right. Yeah. There's not always a, uh, just a methodical, you know, do, do, do. And I, I get it. Like we've got to carry that mindset in certain instances, but at the same time, we've got to be willing to channel it back. Otherwise we're just shooting ourselves in the foot. And, uh, you know, speaking of shooting, I just want to mention really quick one thing that, you know, Jared and I are going to talk about. We'll, we'll get toward it here at the end, but he went on the most awesome, uh, camping trip it's it's calling it a camping trip doesn't really justify it but him and cody went up to alaska for i think almost two weeks just basically dropped off in the middle of nowhere bear grills style and went up a river you know some 30 plus miles right anyways i want it and and apparently you can hunt with a with a muzzle loader like in in you know the patriot and civil war jared made me aware of that We'll we'll talk a little bit more about that too but I just wanted to get that quick tease in there, you know, so, you know, we've talked about grit, we've talked about grace, and, you know, with those two things, it's, I think that one thing that starts to unfold is uh, we, we start to also have a newfound appreciation, whether it's, you know, the income that we're making, or the growth that we've had, or maybe it's the people in our life, you know, that we uh, are far more equipped to to treat how they should probably be treated right uh what would you say you're you're most grateful for in in respect to you know either what you've earned or just just life in general can you kind of talk about that yeah man i mean just uh you kind of said it yourself just life in general um you know you you never know what's what's around the corner or what's going to happen tomorrow and uh you know, you just gotta, you gotta appreciate every day. Um, you know, things, things that I appreciate now, I didn't appreciate 10 years ago or, you know, problems I have now, I didn't have 10 years ago. Um, right. I think that, you know, constantly changing and just the biggest thing is just, uh, kind of appreciate what you got. Um, cause it's what you got. And, you know, you can always, you can always look to improve upon your situation and whatever, but, um, you know, some things take time and, um, got to take it one day at a time and, and be glad that you're here yeah no I completely agree and I think that uh, you know a flaw that we have as, as humans is we, we tend to be grateful for something once it's already gone right whether it's a uh, a job that we had or you know a person that was in our life you know that's probably the most severe but we we suddenly have all of this gratitude right and it's like whoa whoa where where was that two days ago or six months ago when they were right there in front of you and that perspective is it's it's hard to always channel right because we've got life coming at us 100 miles an hour and you know it's not it's easier said than done how would you say you kind of maintain that that collectiveness you know that that uh calmness under fire you know with just hey this is temporary I've got X, Y, and Z to be grateful for. How would you say you, you manage that? Uh, yeah, just managing yourself or keeping yourself calm. Um, 
you know, you gotta, you gotta admit you're, you're not the best at it all the time. Um, I'm not, but, uh, you know, kind of the way I, I approach that stuff is, um, you know, still, still appreciate what you got. And, uh, you know, you know, when, when things get rough, you just kind of prioritize and, you know, take a step back and try to look at the big picture and, you know, what you got to do to, to get past it and then just tackle things, I guess, one at a time is usually how I approach stuff like right. that. I mean, you've kind of already brought up a little bit, uh, after we talked about your pink hair, you talked about, uh, <laughs> sorry, man, he shouldn't have told me that, but I, I'm glad that you did. Uh, turkey hunting and you know that's one of the from what i understand one of the most difficult animals to hunt which seems crazy but hunting I don't know where you're at man sometimes they're they're climbing on people's cars but uh right. i don't know in, in some spots when it's hunting season they're uh they're pretty tricky and pretty smart birds so what's what's that give you you know i think that what the reason i ask is a lot of people they talk about the outdoors or you know getting removed from technology how it how it just gives them this new found appreciation and, you know, gratefulness for the simplicity. And can, is that something that hunting kind of gives you with, you know, being out and can kind of explain that? Oh yeah, man. It's just the, like you said, it, uh, just the simplicity of it and just kind of, you know, slows the mind down. I think it's good to almost give your head a break from all the, the technology once in a while. Um, you know, hunting is just, uh, you know, it's something I, I've done for a long time, but, uh, you know, as far as being in the outdoors, that's, that's really, that's why I like hunting, you know, is it's in, it's in the outdoors. I mean, you know, I also enjoy backpacking, fly fishing, anything that, uh, gets me up into the mountains. It's, uh, you know, might sound kind of funny, but it's almost kind of spiritual for me to, to get away and kind of disconnect and just kind of reset almost. Right. Yeah, man. I think that, that's a uh, spot on and think in calling it spiritual that's a uh, that's pretty powerful because it's it's accessing a part of our mind that is often so cluttered and interrupted with with life you know and it's in that moment where life's busy these days <laughs> yeah no doubt man so how how do you kind of manage to to force that in like we're briefly talking about you're, you're going on a hunting trip next week I mean that's one thing that I've never really grasped because I'm, I'm not a hunter but you've got to you got to commit to it like financially you got to commit time to it you got to you got to practice to some extent how would you say uh yeah you you make sure that that's a priority for you yeah I mean fi financially it's not really a, a burden I guess you know I think that that trip me and Cody took that cost some money but Sure. You know, financially here in Idaho, it's, it's gas money to get there and, you know, you're going to eat food anyway. So, uh, financially, I, I wouldn't say it's a big burden. I mean, at, at this point in my life, it's just, uh, getting, getting the time, you know, and time, time to yourself. Um, right. you know, every, everybody can schedule time off work, but sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, as far as that goes, I almost try to I try to plan, uh, you know, hunting and fishing and stuff kind of in the, in the slow times for me at work. Um, that's right. part of the reason I've taken up the, the muzzle loader hunting is it's just a, the, the hunts happen in a, in a different time of year. Um, and it's just way, way easier for me to get out. And it's also uh, way less people do it. So that's, that's another thing that's almost kind of a requirement for me when I am in the outdoors. And if I want to actually kind of relax and unwind is I got to get away from people. Right. Aren't you ever worried that, you know, you're going to be looking at big bull elk in the eyes and you're going to be sitting there loading your muzzle loaded weapon and, you know, it's, that's, that's going to be the end for Jared. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you know, you hope the first shot actually goes off and something didn't get, uh, powder didn't get wet or anything. And then, uh, right. yeah, that, that second shot, um, <laughs> good luck. Cause I'm, it's... I'm not in a, I'm not skilled at the, uh, the speed reloading on that yet but uh. yeah man that that's just so cool i mean until you told me that i would have never never guessed i thought that the only time those weapons were used in like is in reenactments you know yeah. but uh yeah man so one thing we haven't really touched on you know within the scope of our conversation is you, you work in construction you're a civil engineer and you've kind of had a path you graduated from boise state go broncos and uh you know that's brought you 
to various places. You went to the to the gold rush in North Dakota for a little bit. Uh, you went to Montana, and now you've came back down home to Idaho. What's what's that experience been like? Let's start with North Dakota. You know, that's where my extended family's from. Cody worked out there for five years, and uh, it's always you know it's got a near and dear place in in my heart. Just it's always something that I'm curious to hear someone else's perspective about. Yeah, man, you know, it's just, uh, it's just kind of how it all panned out. That was my, my first, uh, engineering job out of college. Um, originally I, I had zero intention or interest of, uh, going to North Dakota. Um, <laughs> but you know, when I graduated, the, the job market was still, you know, I was coming back around here, but, uh, still kind of slow and everybody wanted somebody with experience. And, and I made the mistake of not, uh, not doing any internships or anything like that. Cause I had a, just a general construction job as a, I built fence for a lot of years and, you know, it was a good job. The, the pay was all right. And my boss was, uh, you know, super cool about working around my, my school schedules. So I felt like I kind of had to stay and I, I enjoyed it as well. But, uh, when, once I graduated, I kind of realized the, the mistake that I had made. So, you know, originally I was looking to stay pretty much here in Boise and, I don't, I don't know how many interviews I did, but my, uh, my job search radius just kept getting bigger and bigger. And, uh, actually I thought I thought I hit the jackpot and wound up uh, applying to this company that, uh, is based out of Bismarck. Um, but they had kind of a temporary job in, uh, Jackson hole. Uh, it's like a year and a half if I remember right. But, uh, I was like, Oh, that wouldn't be bad. You know, I, I applied for that and, went and did all the interviews and whatever. And then they wound up offering me a, a permanent job in, in Bismarck. Um, and I just thought, well, I, you know, whatever. I, I didn't have anything really tying me down at the time. And so I, I boxed everything up in a U-Haul and, uh, headed to, headed to, towards North Dakota. And, uh, I, I kind of got a, a rude awakening, uh, on the way there. Cause I, it was like late April and I followed, uh, I followed a blizzard going into North Dakota and actually had to stay over in, in Billings, Montana uh, overnight because the interstate was shut down going into North Dakota. And, oh, wow. you know, I was, uh, I was wearing shorts and, and flip-flops when I drove into North Dakota. And, uh, you know, the, the freeway was clear by that point. But, uh, man, once we got off the freeway, um, I mean, there were just feet of snow. And I, I don't know why, but for some reason in, in North Dakota, they don't have very many snow plows that work very often. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of had an apartment already rented and whatever and, you know, drove down the road and kind of eyeballed, uh, you know, where, where my unit was at and uh, you know, decided I needed to go down the road and, and turn around. And uh, another fun fact was, you know, there was, there was like six inches of snow in Billings and left Billings that morning and, uh, I think I hit a big bump going in there like the night before and my, my check engine light popped on and I thought oh shit of course so I think I, I unplugged my battery just to reset it in in the morning I got to borrow a, a wrench from the janitor at the hotel because all my shit was packed away in the trailer and I think if I had opened that door I, I would have spent like three hours repacking it because it was pretty full but uh, yeah news to me that you're uh, you know you're kind of idle kind of trains itself when you when you start your truck back up if you leave it disconnected for too long so you know I just hooked it up and fired it up check engine light was off so jumped right on the interstate and I think it uh it programmed itself for um not not uh preferred idling rpm so when I got into Bismarck uh, my truck kept dying like every time I'd slow down or stop and there was like two feet of snow <laughs> so <laughs> That uh, that was interesting. I think getting my truck turned around. I think it died like four times, but then uh, came back up to the apartment and just buried it into a, a snowbank. And I I walked into the uh, the leasing office in my shorts and flip flops with you know. <laughs> Who the hell's this guy? Yeah. Right. Hey, you know, a lot of people talk about the uh, the Norwegians in North Dakota. I don't know if anybody's seen that show Fargo, but. Hey man, I think I think you probably fit right in. That's that's a pretty Norwegian thing to do. <laughs> and you know, one thing that people don't talk a lot about is the uh, the wind chill. And I think that uh, 
that's uh, you know pretty common in the Midwest. And one thing that Cody would always send me because he knew my ass lived in Arizona, so he had absolutely no sympathy for me. Um, yeah. But he'd send me uh, pictures out on the job site, and it'd be like you know thirty below zero with wind chill, and I. <laughs> I'd send him a picture back. Hey, it's about 75 outside here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought I left Idaho knowing what uh, what cold was, but I, I, that first winter I quickly found out that I had no idea. Yeah, man. So you uh, you were I wasn't, ever a, I wasn't ever a scarf guy, but uh, man, I remember a couple mornings to just to go start my truck. Man, I'd put my Carhartt jacket on and big gloves and I. Oh, yeah. I got to admit i even put a scarf on several times just to even go outside yeah and i think too like you know going to the job site and your long johns and your your wool socks it's that's commonplace out there that's that's necessary yeah. gear and uh yeah man so you, you spent some time out there and you actually worked on a fairly good sized project there in alexander it's actually just outside of uh wofford city where my family's all from and i've actually got family that's from alec as well uh, so in, in doing that, and you kind of talked with Cody a few times, isn't that kind of ironic? I know that North Dakota drew, you know, a lot of workforce from all over the country because yeah. of all of the oil and everything that was going on. But what was that like, you know, having somebody that you knew out there? And I know you guys kind of met up on a few occasions. Did, did that help? Did it kind of give some, a little bit of peace of mind? Yeah, a little bit, man. I mean, I... You know, it's funny. I know you guys had a, a family connection in North Dakota too, and I, I also have a kind of a strange one. Um, you know, my on my mom's side of my family, my my grandpa was in the the Air Force forever, and they so they all lived in Minot, and right. Uh, yeah, my dad was in the Air Force, and he was stationed in Minot. Uh, both my brothers went to play baseball in North Dakota uh, oh, for when they were in college, and. Uh, yeah, then then I went up there too. My my younger cousin wound up working up there, and yeah, kind of kind of odd that the, pretty much the, the entire family has, has been there at some point in their life. That's that's wild. Yeah, having having Cody there, um, yeah, you know. So yeah, originally I was, I was in Bismarck, and I actually went back to North Dakota after I had moved to Kalispell, and they sent me back to, to work on that highway project in in Alexander. And I think Cody was living up in. Uh, the Williston at the time, um, you know, just north of there. And yeah, I, I, I saw him quite a bit, you know, he'd, he'd be driving through, um, you know, heading to different projects himself and he'd swing in, we'd, you know, bullshit for 10, 20 minutes or whatever. And right. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah. That's crazy. I think that's something we kind of grow to appreciate in, in the service too. It's, it's, how quickly you're able to, to catch up with, with somebody, you know, no matter how, how long you've been apart. And it's always just getting that small piece of home. It can, it can do a, do a lot for you. Uh, one thing about Minot, you know, they do have a pretty large air force base there. And I think Cody may have been on a project or two up there, but I'm in the air force reserves now. I, you know, I talk mostly about the Marine Corps, but I'm in the air force reserves now. And, and Cody would always give me shit about the, uh, the airmen up in Minot, like talking about how they're just, you know, he'd call them dipshits. <laughs> and, I don't, and, I, and I don't know why, I guess he would, you know, see him at, you know. I think that was one of Cody's favorite words. <laughs> yeah. See him at like a restaurant or something, you know, and he'd be like, man, you know, I don't think those guys, you know, can, can see past their own stupidity. And I don't know. It was just, it, yeah. crack, it cracked me up because, yeah, it's just one of those things that we, uh, we he, it's funny because we don't have a lot of military in our family and uh, Cody, he still found a way to always give me shit about being in the military. <laughs> <laughs> it was good though. It was all, all in good fun, man. You know, that was one of Cody's finest qualities was flipping people shit. So. <laughs> oh yeah. He, he, he could dish it with the best of them, man. So, you know, you're, in North Dakota, kind of, you know, getting that trial by fire first job out of college and, 
then you get taken to Kalispell, which, you know, is one of the prettiest places on God's green earth. If you haven't been there, you got Flathead Lake. It is just incredible. It's, it's, it is like the commercials. You know, Jared. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't, it didn't, didn't that one actually matches. Right. And, uh, you know, so you're up there for a little bit. Uh, what, what, uh, what was that like, you know, being in this area that is just, I mean, you're an avid outdoorsman, you love hunting. Were you able to experience that at all while you're up there? Yeah, I did. Uh, I, I mostly just fished while I was up there. I kind of took a, I don't know, five, six year kind of break from, uh, from hunting for the most part, just cause I was moving around so much and right. I don't know. I don't know why I just, uh, didn't uh, didn't ever do it in North Dakota, and, and never went in Montana either. I was mostly uh, into fishing up there in both of those places. Um, yeah, life. I did a ton of fishing up there, and I I absolutely loved uh, that area. It was it was gorgeous, and have you seen one the of those places movie? that I, I I hated to leave. Right. Have you seen the movie uh, A River Runs Through It? I believe Brad Pitt. It's a oh, yeah. it's a book too. There, fly fishing up in Montana, and, and just really yeah, I think it's. If I remember right, it sits a little south, you know, kind of closer to uh, Bozeman, maybe you know, Bozeman area. Right, uh, right. Yeah, I've always wanted to pick up fly fishing. My, my dad uh, does, and Cody started to to pick it up, and you know, I think that it's it just seems like it's got more interaction and, and engagement than you know your regular fishing trip. What what yeah. what what's it do for you? Like, what's that? Uh, draw with fly fishing i don't know man just uh i just get more enjoyment out of it um it's a little more technical i guess um right you know a little more involved and you know trying to match the bugs and whatever and it's just kind of it's kind of fishing on the next level i guess in my opinion right and that's yeah it's definitely more of a challenge to it like it's almost like an art form you know and that's that's kind of what i've heard so one of the, uh, you know, I guess, uh, epitome places to, you know, get that fishing itch scratched, uh, is, is Alaska, right? So you're yeah. kind of planning this trip and, and it, it comes up, uh, that, you know, it'd been something you'd been planning for a while. And then you and Cody end up getting together on it. And here you guys, I'm looking at some pictures right now. You get guys, I'm not kidding. This is, you know, literally like, you know, just dropped out in the middle of the wild. I, you know, I don't know that there's a lot of people that could, uh, could survive that. And, uh, yeah. Tell me about that, man. Just kind of from beginning to end, like here you are, you're, you're up in Alaska. Where'd you fly into was that was probably the last normal part was your flight into Alaska. Then it was just like, Hey, (laughs) see you guys. Somewhat normal, man. It was just, uh, kind of, as it got closer, it was, not gonna lie it was a challenge getting there i mean if if it could go wrong it went wrong um yeah as far as the flight goes i think my my dad dropped me and cody off at the airport and you know i told you we we had a third friend that was going to go with us and and he had to had to back out like two days before and right we had that happen and me and cody decided oh well we'll we'll still go you know we'll we'll make it work and uh and i I think I got a call from him like that morning because he went to cancel his uh, his plane ticket, and you know I tried to save a, a couple bucks and I can't remember exactly how it worked out, but I I think his his mom had like an extra you know I, I don't know if they call them buddy passes or family pass or whatever, and I I kind of jumped on that with him to kind of lower the cost of the the flight and you know thought I was you know, doing good, saving a little bit of money, but, uh, come to find out when, when he canceled, that became a big problem for me. Um, oh, yeah, so they were, I think they did have a seat available still, but I mean, they wanted just some ridiculous amount of money for, you know, me to actually get on that plane since he had canceled. They wanted me to essentially buy an entire new plane ticket, like literally an hour and a half before the flight. So you can imagine, you know, how much they wanted for that one course but uh you know i think he spent an hour on the phone you know on on my behalf and and finally talked him into you know just letting me on the plane for for what i had paid so yeah even even that morning i didn't know if uh if it was actually going to happen and wow you know once once we were on the plane uh 
things got a lot better. And then, you know, we got up there and, uh, you know, we, we, we flew into uh, Bethel and stayed at this little uh, kind of fishing lodge, I guess, where they kind of rented us some of the gear that we would need because we didn't, uh, you know, we didn't ship a raft up there and all that. So we just kind of rented rented some of the gear, just the general uh, camping stuff. You know, we had all our all our fishing stuff with us. And, you know, I think Cody, uh, you know, he brought his little you know, pistol, whatever it was. Uh, I actually shipped my, my shotgun up there with me. So that was... That was a new experience for me trying to, to get a shotgun on a on an airplane, you know. Right. But uh, there, believe it or not, there's a, a legal way you can still do that. So, um, yeah, we we paid a, a shit ton in baggage fees. I can tell you that much. Getting stuff up there, I mean, we of course we hauled hauled quite a bit of gear in there with us. Um, but yeah, once once we got there, we just kind of had our little area to to organize our stuff, and you know, went and just kind of. I think we went and got dinner at like a you know, Chinese place in town or something like that. And it was good. And It's just you two, right? And there's not a waiver for this. It's like, hey, you know, if you want to go out in the middle of the Alaska wilderness, like, have fun. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure they made us sign a waiver. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See that. The, people, the people dropping us off, we're, we're not responsible for our safety. Okay. See, that, that, makes, that makes a little bit of sense because... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you guys got dropped off, and what are those planes called? I think of ducktails that they land in the water with the, uh, the yeah, uh, like a float plane, right? Had the big uh, the big pontoons on it, and that that flight in was super cool. I mean, we flew over just some awesome country. I think the flight was like, I think we went like a hundred miles south of Bethel, um, down on this river, and it had a you know kind of a lake at the top, and. Uh, just a little native village at the bottom and it was, you know, 60 miles in between. Um, wow. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a, I mean, it was a super refreshing and, and, you know, good feeling for me. Cause I, like I said, I've been wanting to do this for a long time when, when that plane left, but it was also, you know, kind of a, a bit of reality that, uh, Oh, it's just me and Cody in a, in a raft and you know, we got to go that way. Um, yeah. You know, puts a whole new meaning to getting lost up, what is it, shit creek? Yeah. 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 I I absolutely loved it though, man. It's uh it's by by far my favorite, you know, outdoors trip and you know, could possibly be my, my favorite trip overall ever. It was a it was a blast. Cody, uh he, he ranted and raved about it. I, I can guarantee you that's you know, his his same sentiment as well, man. And you know, to be able to have that experience, it's 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 militaristic almost, right? You know, you're you're being put out, uh, you know, to survive in, in in an area just off the resources at your disposal and right around you. And what? Yeah, I remember. I remember Cody. You know, kind of talking about just you know experiences and that. And right. at that at that point in his life, you know, he just he just wanted to go do shit, and he wanted to do you know, if he hadn't done it, he wanted to go do it. And, you know, he was kind of in, in that phase. And, uh, like the second I mentioned it to him, he was on board and he, he never looked back. And I mean, Cody, like you said, he had, he had really just got into fly fishing and, you know, I mean, Cody, you know, before that wasn't really a, a big fisherman, you know, by any means at all. Um, right. in fact, I think me and him, I think we went fly fishing once, um, just so I could kind of show him some stuff and, you know, he kind of make sure all his all his gear worked, and you know, we both bought like new waders and whatever, and wanted to make sure they didn't have a have a leak. And so we went once, and I don't actually know that Cody had caught a fish on a fly rod when we landed in Alaska, um, but he still was all on board to go. What a what a place to catch your first fish on a fly rod. Uh, yeah. that's, that's that's if I if I remember right, I think that that first night he caught a, a pretty nice uh, sockeye salmon and. I got a got a picture of Cody's Cody's first fish and yeah what a what a first fish right that's that's pretty awesome man so being up there I mean here you get dropped off you've got all your gear you know you've got a what what was the length that you guys had to float down the river to get back to the to the village it was it was sixty river miles sixty river miles that's that's nuts so within that you know what what was probably the the craziest thing you guys experienced man just the the wind and the rain like the first three days were 
I mean, they were picture perfect. We were in, we were in t-shirts in the raft, you know, we had, had some music going and had a couple beers with us and just fishing and floating. And I mean, you, you can't beat it. And then I think it was on the fourth day, man, the, the clouds moved in and, uh, it rained and, and it didn't stop raining until we got to the bottom. I, I think it rained for like six days straight. And, uh, that's nuts. Yeah. It's just, you know, it, it sucked, but you know, you just, you know, you kind of have that mentality of, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm going to enjoy it. And shit, we still got out every day and went fishing. And I remember uh, about the third day into that, you know, I think all, both of our, our gear was being tested. You know, we, we both thought we had, had what we needed, but, uh, I mean, just days and days of rain on, on anything, no matter how waterproof you think it is. Um, right. You know, it, it's not after that long. So, you know, luckily we had a bunch of fleece stuff with us and I think Cody did bring like a, you know, like a vinyl or, or PVC kind of rain jacket. So he had a, he had a better one than I did, even though mine, you know, cost a lot more. I was, I was soaking through mine pretty bad and, man, we were just both freezing and the temperatures had dropped crazy. And I, I think we had like a uh, 30 to 40 mile, you know, wind coming, coming up the river at us. And we were literally having to row down the river to even move. And uh, I remember at some point in the afternoon, I think I just looked at Cody and I think he was just shivering, but you know, just sucking it up and still trying to enjoy it. And I'm like, dude, let's, uh, let's pull over and, and, the tent. and he's like, yeah, I think that's, a, right. that's probably a good idea. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like you're, you know, playing chicken with each other. Who's, who's going to say, yeah. say something yeah. first. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good, man. Uh, were you guys able to, I guess, like have, have a, even anything like a fire? I mean, I, I don't know. Like how, how was your heat? Like with, with the rain and the wind blowing that way? Yeah, so I mean, out out where we were, you know, up on the upper river, there were you know a number of trees, but uh, mm. the the rain didn't hit till we were lower on the river when we we're back kind of in the, I guess you call it tundra area. So, got it. Uh, when when the weather really sucked, uh, there wasn't many fires to be had. Um, <laughs> so we just set the tent up and just go in there soaking wet and try to find some dry clothes in your bag and. Uh, I you know, just hang out in your sleeping bag for a little minute till you warmed up. Yeah. I don't know. We were, we were cold and wet for just, you know, the last two thirds of the trip, but yeah, we still had a blast. That's, that's just nuts, man. You know, so I think that, uh, yeah. And I'm just looking at the pictures. So you guys went in like end of July, August time frame. it looks like. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty neat, man. And you know, I think that one thing that, I'm just so extremely grateful for man is that that Cody was able to experience that and you know he he talked about you all the time Jared you know just with whatever we were talking about you know and I think that it's just one of those things that when he got back from that trip he was just so pumped and it you know started talking about like hey you know we got to do this Tyler and And yeah, man, I'm just uh, hindsight, you know, talk about that with uh, being a little bit more in the moment. But I know in in that instance, for that period of time that you guys were out there, you had no choice but to be in the moment, right? (laughs) Just (laughs) right. Yeah, man. So when when you're out there, what, what did you guys see any big game or crazy, crazy animals like that? Dude, so that is the that was the the biggest surprise to me. I mean, granted, we weren't really looking for it, you know, especially in the later days when, you know, it was just raining and blowing and whatever. I mean, we saw, we saw moose and and grizzlies on the flight in. Um, Actually, when we got dropped off on the lake, we we like came over a ridge and there was a, you know, a sow with with a couple cubs up, up on the ridge um, just right above the lake where we dropped in. So, you know, we were, we were pretty worried about it. And I remember the, I mean, the first night, every, every time we camped, there were just, you know, huge grizzly prints kind of all over the beach and whatever, because obviously, you know, salmon runs going on. So they're, they're coming right up to the water and, you know, they, they want to catch the same thing. Um, 
Right. <laughs> uh, oddly enough, even though, you know, I don't think we ever got, uh, I think Cody had his pistol strapped to him all the time and I, I never got too far from my shotgun, but, uh, right. yeah, we didn't, uh, I don't think we saw shit going down the river, you know, but granted we were, we were, had some music playing and bullshitting and so they, they so, were probably there, but they probably, they probably saw us. We just didn't see them, you know, of course. Right. And you know, with, uh, that day to day, you got you guys were basically catching what you what you ate, right? I don't imagine you wanted to pack a bunch of food in, so so or what was that dynamic? Yeah, we we packed some, you know, we we had fish, you know, for the first few nights in a row, but you know, <laughs> after fish and then more fish and then more fish, you're kind of tired of fish. So, you know, we we did luckily bring some other shit. Um, Right. But yeah, I mean, we just had like one, just one small cooler, um, just put everything we could in it. And, you know, we, <laughs> we put a bunch of, a bunch of beer in it. And uh, I remember when we, when we opened the cooler, when we got to Bethel, man, like I think half of them had rattled around and, and exploded at some point <laughs> inside the cooler. So everything just reeked like IPAs in there. So, oh man. Yeah. We And then we, you know, we were down, we're down beer. So. The essential gear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that, that's that's too funny, man. Yeah, and I don't know that I, I told you this, Jared, but this this episode that we are recording, it's uh, October 1st. This is going to release on October 18th. And <clears throat> that was actually the day that, that Cody passed last year. And God, it just, uh, even each time I always say it, it, it never gets easier, man. And, and I think that, uh, yeah, realizing that, that you guys were on this trip and I know that you guys, you know, spent quite a bit of time together, uh, up in Idaho as well. I, Cody even came down. Uh, I don't know that you, you know, this, maybe I told you on our phone call, but I think he had stayed the night at your house before he flew out to Phoenix to come visit me. He had a, a work trip and for yeah, Cody was here a lot, man. I think we were, uh, Cody kind of, kind of became family almost. He, he stayed here quite a bit cause you know, he, he was living up in, in a uh, garden Valley and he'd get off work late a lot and he'd just come crash on the couch, you know, so he had the keys to your, nights a week. He had the keys to your house. And I guess when he got back to, Boise, he realized that he forgot the keys. So I, I, I think I mailed yeah. you. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, man. It was like, I, he called me like frantically when he got back. He's like, Hey Tyler, like, uh, I, you know, my, my buddy's keys are at your house. I, I hope they are like, I can't find them. And I was like, Oh shit, here they are. But, but <laughs> it's, it's too funny, man. Yeah. And I, I think my mom would definitely have some stories about that. Cody wasn't always the, you know, best at managing where he left his things but hey yeah, I, think, <laughs> I think we're all like that but yeah man i, I think that uh oh, i'm just i'm really glad we got to have this conversation jared you know we, we talked about quite a few things and i think one thing that kind of kind of start to wrap this up with is uh that that question that we went over at the beginning you know staying uh staying calm under chaos right and i think you, you kind of alluded to it a few times with the chaos of, of you know 30 mile an hour wind and rain coming at you while you're up in the alaska wilderness or times that you uh spent in in north dakota being told that you would be in jackson hole wyoming but turns out you're in bismarck north dakota uh, you know and just just these different things uh how would you say What's your answer to that question? Like, how do you stand, stay calm under chaos? Oh, man, again, just, you know, kind of prioritize and, and take things, uh, you know, one at a time. Um, I guess, you know, an example is uh, just back to Cody. I, you know, the, the day your mom called me and, and told me that, uh, you know, he had passed away. I was actually was on the way to, I just met my dad at like a coffee shop. It was, you know, kind of earlier in the morning and, uh, you know, I'd kind of told him I'd go help him, uh, you know, put a cover on, on his camper. Um, you know, he got it all winterized and whatever, but just had to, had to throw a cover on it and just wanted a little bit of help. And so I met him at the, at the coffee shop and, you know, I got the call right, right when we were walking in the door and I, you know, told my dad I'd meet him in there or whatever. And, 
you know, got, got the news and, you know, in, internally I was, I guess, in chaos. Um, but, you know, I, I told my dad, I'm like, Hey, I just got some bad news and I could come in for coffee, but, uh, you know, let's, let's go get this done. Cause I, I told him I'd help him, you know, and, you know, he, he told me that it wasn't, it wasn't a, a big deal or whatever, but, you know, I guess I, you know, I guess when I, when I tell people I'm going to help them do something, I, I want to follow through and, you know, I guess that was a kind of calm under, under chaos moment because, you know, internally I was, you know, going through a lot, um, but just still went and helped him, uh, you know, get that done and we just got it done. And, you know, like I said, you just got to, got to take stuff one at a time and, and prioritize things. I mean, you know, you, you can't change what, what happened to cause the chaos. So you just got to keep checking, checking shit off the list and, and keep moving forward. Yeah. We don't know when those moments are going to come up, you know, no matter how well we're prepared, no matter how much foresight we had and, and knowing that it was coming. And for me, <clears throat> staying calm under chaos. And obviously I like, like you were saying, that was a very uh, chaotic time, you know, where you just feel like you have absolutely no control. You don't, it's not a feeling, it's reality. And for me, uh, you know, and I think we get some, some callous on, on us, on our, we get some mental callous from the military, you know, because there's a lot of instances where we, again, have absolutely no control over what's, what's happening around us. And for me, uh, what I try, and much, much like what you were saying, just uh, keep moving forward and, and really, you know, maintain that mindset that this is only temporary, right? It's as chaotic as it as it might be, and, and in some instances, it it's also important to to remember through that chaos. Like, man, I'm 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 learning something here again. Being being in that moment, you know, allowing yourself to almost embrace the chaos, right? Like, okay, this is going to allow yeah. me to to learn this, this, and this, and come out the other side because it it doesn't change what's happening right there in front of you. You know, you, you can't yeah. can't control it, and yeah, man. I, you, can't control the, you can't control the chaos or what happens, but I, I think the biggest thing, you know, for me anyways, is you can't control yourself and, and what you do and, and how you handle that chaos. Right. So, I mean, in a sense, you know, I guess I'd push back on that a little bit that you do have some control. I mean, you, you just don't have control over what happened, but you have control over yourself and, and how you react. That is spot on. That's a, that's a great point, man. And I think that's what we what we lose sight of is like we just we kind of fold right like we we just want to go into the hole and act like it didn't happen but yeah but it did <laughs> yeah 100 percent, man well shoot uh jared is there anything else that you wanted to add you know you're getting ready to go on this hunt, hunting trip next week you're going to kind of get some of that that peace of mind that from what i understand work's been pretty pretty busy for you lately and uh you, you looking forward to that like Tell me a little bit. Yeah, man, I, I am, you know, I, you know, work's been pretty crazy since about April. So definitely looking forward to, uh, to some time off and, uh, go hang out in the woods and whatever. And that's gonna, gonna be good for me. Uh, you know, kind of have a break mentally. So I'm ready for it. For sure. Well, again, it, it was great to have you, Jared and, and guys, thank you for tuning in today. I know we, we covered a lot. We talked about, you know, the various components of life, you know, really honing in on the, the grit, the grace, the gratitude, and the gospel. You know, we heard a lot of Jared's message there. He really, really nailed it home at the end there with the uh, staying calm under chaos. We may not be able to control the situation, but we can control our mindset and our actions in that moment. And uh, I'm, I'm so grateful that we were able to have him on and, you know, hear about that awesome <clears throat> hunting story in, a, in Alaska excursion, I think is the better word for it. And, uh, I know that with this coming out on October 18th, again, that's the, uh, the day that, that Cody passed. It's the biggest thing for me that I'm trying to control. And you really just, you hit a chord with me with that, Jared, is, uh, I want this show to continue to be a light, you know, because when we go into that darkness, it may feel okay in that moment, but we're not doing any justice to ourselves and especially those around us, the, the folks that need us and, and the legacy of those before us. And I really want us to, to embrace that and keep stepping forward, right?
And uh, again, thank you, Jared. Thank you guys for listening. And I look forward to uh, sharing the next episode with you guys. And, uh, you know, till next time, I'll see you then. Thanks. You've been listening to My Dead Brothers Podcast with Tyler Balkin. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. Tyler talks about the four G's, grit, grace, gratitude, and gospel. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show, and we hope that you were inspired, and we hope we've helped you get in the mindset of not holding back in your life. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Tyler Bolkin and visit the website at tylerbolkin.com for more information. Till next time, remember Proverbs 27.1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. This is My Dead Brother's Podcast.